Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Oh, and right away, right here at the top of the show, the apologies of the week. Top of the show to you. We're so sorry. Because they're so darn good. And there's so many of them. And they're so darn good. And uh, I'm not going to repeat myself anymore. And I will not be repeating myself today. Houston Rockets, first of all, news of the NBA, the National Basketball Association, for those of you who aren't in China. Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey apologized a week ago for a now-deleted tweet, or a tweeted leet, in support of pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. NBA officials, American lawmakers, and the Chinese government, as you know, had plenty to say about it in the intervening time. Maury said he did not mean to offend the team's significant support among Chinese fans and sponsors when he posted an image that read, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, unquote. The, motion, the notion was quickly rejected by his boss, the team owner, Tillman Fertitta. It's not something they have at uh, Pollo Loco. I quote, I was merely voicing one thought. Based on one interpretation of one complicated event, Maury said. Now, see, this is a guy whose specialty as a general manager of a basketball team has been statistical analysis of player performance. Hence, his profusion of ones. Going back to his quote, I've had a lot of opportunities since that tweet to hear and consider other perspectives, unquote. No number on those. A Chinese sportswear maker, two banks that sponsored the Rockets, and a Chinese broadcaster that aired games bailed. On the team, the sportswear maker Li Ning expressed strong condemnation of the tweet. One of the banks said it had halted marketing and publicity activities with them. Chinese consulate in Houston said officials were deeply shocked. I'm sure. And uh, NBA's chief communications officer Mike Bass called his tweet regrettable. Said the league had great respect for the history and culture of China. Later in the week, of course, Adam Silver, the commissioner, said, "Oh, the league stands for free speech." Two. And here was James Harden, one of the Rockets' players.、Uh, yeah, we apologize.、Um, you know, you know, we love China. We love you know playing there.、Uh, I know for, for both of us individually, we go there you know once or twice a year.、Uh, they show us the most important love. So you know, we appreciate them as a fan base, and、uh, we love everything you know they're about, and and,、uh, and you know we appreciate their support that they give us individually and as an organization. So、uh, you know, we love you. Thank you. Oh, he means China. Yeah, four billion dollars worth. He loves them. The commissioner of the London Metropolitan Police, which we here in America call Scotland Yard, is named Cressida Dick. Cressida Dick says she's deeply sorry for mistakes made during Operation Midland, which was a、uh, an investigation into presumably historic sexual. Crimes committed by、uh, VIP, British VIPs. "Quote: I recognize our mistakes will have a lasting effect on those who endured intrusive inquiries and were thrust into the spotlight." She said. She said the loss of trust in the police by those people was a matter of great regret for me. A,、um, an investigation has found the police kind of screwed up that investigation. A university and college trade union in the United Kingdom apologized for failing to include in a list of groups persecuted. In the Holocaust, Jewish people is all. That's all they left out. University College Union sent out an email last week to branch and local association secretaries to encourage the observance of Holocaust Memorial Day. Mark your calendars; it'll be January 27th. 
The email included a list of nine groups of people oppressed by the Nazi regime, disabled people, non-Jewish Poles, and Slavic POWs. Jews were noticeably missing from the list. It's an easy mistake to make. This is according this is a report from Algeminer.com, a Jewish news service. A link in the email led to a page on the UCU website about Holocaust Memorial Day that also admitted Jews as victims of the Holocaust while mentioning other groups. Social media users called the omission shocking and sickening after the email was publicized, some suggesting the inclusion of, quote, non-Jewish polls showed the union deliberately decided whom to include and leave out on the list. In a subsequent email from the union's equality support official, yes, they didn't tell you that was that job was available in high school uh, counseling, the organization apologized for what it called drafting errors. You used a protractor to write this, adding the UCU apologizes for the offense this caused and reassures all members that it continues to fight against all forms of anti-Semitism, hatred, and bigotry in society. The University College Union further said on Twitter that an incomplete version of the email was sent out. You know, the one that didn't mention the Jews. The website has since been updated to include mention of Jewish persecution. Those dissatisfied with the apology described it as mealy-mouthed and pointed out it did not even directly say what they're apologizing for. They left that out by accident. Greyhound Lines, the the bus, they still have Greyhound Lines. The bus company has apologized to a Texas man who sued the company after a driver forced him off a bus at a station in Kansas in the dead of night, accusing him of being unruly and uncooperative, and and also Middle Eastern. Mohammed Reza Sadari was traveling from Dallas to Kansas City, Missouri, a couple of years ago, when he was kicked off a Greyhound bus at a station in Wichita, Kansas, Sardari is a Ph.D. candidate at U- University of Texas, Arlington, heading to a national conference in KC to present research on inequality in the Dallas rapid transit system. He filed a federal lawsuit in Dallas against Greyhound, saying the company discriminated against him because he's Middle Eastern after the bus driver saw his name on the ticket. He is Iranian. He said he was abandoned in the middle of the night at a dark and closed bus station. Greyhound at the time said it investigated the incident and found he was removed because he refused to show his ticket when he was asked. The company said it called the police to remove him after he refused to leave the bus. In a statement last month, Greyhound retracted its previous claims that he had been unruly. Quote, Greyhound also fully retracts its statement that police were called to remove him from the bus he was riding. Greyhound sincerely apologizes to Dr. Sardari regarding the events that occurred. His lawsuit says the bus driver and passengers started yelling at him to get off the bus, which he recorded on video. Always record everything on video. Salim, Salim, sorry, Salim Chowdhury, the president and chief operating officer of Porter Medical Center in Middlebury, Vermont. I said Middlebury, Vermont, has resigned following allegations that his weekly emails to staff regularly plagiarized other writers. Quote, I realize my actions surrounding my weekly emails were wrong, and I apologize, he wrote in a message to the community, according to a statement provided by the UVM Health Network. There are no shows broadcast on that network. It's just a bunch of hospitals. Quote, I know I am no longer the right person to lead Porter and have made the decision to resign. Unquote. He only took the job March of this year guy he replaced will return as an interim head of the hospital. He may land elsewhere within the company, according to the CEO of the network. Some may view this as a drastic step given the circumstances, but when a leader believes he can no longer be effective in his role, it is right to step aside, John Brumstead said. 
I believe Salim deserves a second chance, and we'll be working with him to see if there's an opportunity elsewhere in the UVM Health Network where his skills and talents can be applied. You know, you need a good plagiarizer somewhere in the hospital network, don't you? To quote the late Mose Allison, everybody crying mercy, they don't know the meaning of the word. The late co-founder of the Portland, Oregon nonprofit Mercy Corps allegedly abused his daughter for years, according to the Portland Oregonian. Tanya Culver Humphrey, the daughter of Ellsworth Culver, said she told Mercy Corps leaders of the abuse on at least two occasions. The accounts were corroborated by eight friends who knew her during her childhood and teen years. The CEO of the nonprofit called the allegations horrific and said, had he known the information at the time, Ellsworth Culver would not have remained with the group. He worked for Mercy Corps for a decade plus after the group was apprised of the allegations, according to the Oregonian. From the uh, nonprofit CEO Neil Keeney Geyer's statement, when she reached out to Mercy Corps, we had an opportunity to right a wrong. This was in 2018. Instead, we failed her with our response. She should be commended for her courage. We added to Miss Humphrey's suffering, and for that, I am deeply sorry and profoundly apologetic, unquote. Twitter says that some of its users' phone numbers and email addresses provided for account security, like two-factor authentication, may have accidentally been used for, any guesses? Ad targeting. Thank you. We recently discovered that when you provided an email address or phone number for safety or security purposes, for example, two-factor authentication, which we're all supposed to do, this data may have been inadvertently used for advertising purposes, specifically in our tailored audiences and partner audiences advertising system, said Twitter. Information has been shared publicly since Twitter does not know the exact number of people affected in this incident. The company wanted to make everyone aware of what happened. No personal data was ever shared externally with our partners or any other third parties. We've addressed the issue since mid-September that allowed this to occur, are no longer using phone numbers or email addresses collected for safety or security purposes for advertising. Well, that's nice. We're very sorry this happened and are taking steps to make sure we don't make a mistake like this again, unquote. We'll make other mistakes, though. The popular Amazon-owned streaming service Twitch apologized this week after a video of the shooting attack in Germany was live-streamed and then posted on its website. It's not only the everything store, it's the everything everything. Twitch has a zero policy, zero tolerance policy against hateful conduct and any act of violence is taken extremely seriously, Twitch tweeted. <laughs> Twitch took to Twitter, Twitter to tweet. We worked with urgency to remove this content and will permanently suspend any accounts found to be posting or reposting content of this abhorrent act, said Twitch on Twitter. Twitch said the video did not appear on any recommendations, but people were coordinating and sharing the video via other online messaging services. Hint, hint, hint. Services owned by, maybe, Amazon or Facebook. The account owner streamed this horrific act live on Twitch for 35 minutes, during which time it was viewed by approximately five people, according to Twitch. Approximately five people. These are computer companies, and they... A recording of this stream, which is automatically generated based on the count settings, was viewed by approximately 2,200 people in the 30 minutes before it was flagged and removed from Twitch. Two people were killed in the shooting attack near a synagogue, but we'll remove any reference to uh, what religion they might be or have been. More people watch live streams on Twitch than other platforms, approximately more. 
It's not the first time a Twitch live stream has shown a shooting. During a video game tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, a Twitch live stream showed a shooting that left two victims and the shooter dead. Twitches. Sorry. Two days after billionaire Ken Fisher made a series of offensive comments in an event the uh, comments condemned by attendees, he now says he's really sorry, according to Bloomberg. Quote, some of the words and phrases I used during a recent conference to make certain points were clearly wrong. I shouldn't have made them, he said. I realize this kind of language has no place in our company or industry. I sincerely apologize. Unquote. At the event in California earlier this week, Fisher spoke about how he built his company, Fisher Investments. You see him in his TV commercials now. He compared the process of gaining a client's trust to, quote, trying to get into a girl's pants, unquote. And then he talked about genitalia. Yes, sir. No, no, I wasn't calling for you. Soon after his remarks became public in a video posted on Twitter by a financial advisor, Fisher had issued a statement through his spokesman and said his comments were misunderstood. While I said words he cited, I don't think he heard me correctly and clearly misconstrued my meaning and certainly my intended meaning. To the extent he and any of those were offended, I apologize truly and sincerely. So I think that's a two consecutive days of apologies. Said the uh, managing partner of the uh, conference organizer, he's extremely disappointed. The comments lack the dignity and respect that should be expected by any speaker or attendee. I barred the speaker from ever attending again. This in a time when the President of the United States says the only thing the Vice President did well was kiss Barack Obama's ass. Dayline Redding, California Pacific Gas and Electric restored power for about 426,000 homes and businesses this week as red flag warnings were lifted across most of Northern California, clearing the way for PG&E to end a preventive outage, which turned into an outrage. See how I did that? Aimed at reducing wildfire risk. You see, PG&E's power lines are in such bad state that they spark, causing fires to start. So, turn off the power. Because of the dangerous weather in the forecast, PG&E cut power to an estimated 2 million people. Across one million peop- About 1 million people across California were without power from three utilities Thursday night. Although non-investor-owned Los Angeles Department of Water and Power was not among them. Said uh, PGE President Bill Johnson, he promised any preemptive outage in the future will be smoother. Quote, we did not deliver on this commitment at this time. Our website crashed several times. Our maps are inconsistent, perhaps incorrect. Our call centers were overloaded. To put it quite simply, we were not adequately prepared for this event. Unquote. Said a utility Vice President, we faced a choice between hardship or safety. We chose safety. We deeply apologize for the inconvenience and the hardship, but we stand by the decision because the safety of our customers and communities must come first. In the dark. And now, ladies and gentlemen, concluding the Apologies of the Week with uh, a new, I guess, subsection. Apologies by universities that thought rappers were going to do clean shows. First, Providence College has apologized for language used by a rapper during Saturday's Late Night Madness show at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. The apology was prompted by a letter from Vincent Marzullo, a Providence College alumnus and the president of AARP, 
of Rhode Island. Well, he's going to dig rappers, no? In a letter to the college president, Reverend Brian J. Shanley, Marzullo wrote that a performance by New York rapper, A Boogie with the Hoodie, included foul, explicit, disrespectful, racist language. A Boogie with the Hoodie's birth name is Artist DuBose. That wasn't good enough. Marzullo called it extremely offensive and disturbing to my wife, myself, and many other individuals. Who was responsible for the due diligence of the performer's content and language? And how did the responsible party advocate for this vulgar performer? He asked. By the way, Reverend Shanley is stepping down at the end of June, so he gets out of the line of fire pretty soon. According to a statement from the college, it sought assurances from the rapper that the performance be clean and free of profanity. Quote, Providence College never would have invited this performer had we not been reassured he could deliver a performance that was in the bounds of the contract, the college said. We apologize to anyone who was offended and we're taking steps to prevent this type of occurrence from happening again at future events. We're going to make sure we deal with clean rappers. And Dadeline Lawrence, Kansas, after what could be considered an adult performance by Snoop Dogg, he's a TV game show host now. What, what could he do? The University of Kansas. Friday night, school administration students are remembering the night with differing perspectives. He performed at KU's traditional Late Night at the Fog event, meant to kick off the basketball season. The artist had multiple polls with dancers on stage. They would have been pole dancers, yes. And used a money gun to make it rain dollar, <laughs> dollar bills on the dancers and the athletes. It was epic, one KU student yelled in passing. The school wasn't amused. Officials apologized for the controversial performance in an official statement. Quote, we made it clear to the entertainer's managers that we expected a clean version of the show, said athletics director Jeff Long. We strive to create a family atmosphere at Kansas and fell short of that this evening. He also said he was unaware of what acrobatic dancers meant in the entertainment industry. KU students said an apology was not needed. He said it was for the event was for college students, not children. I thought it was super cool we even had him here. He could have been hosting a game show. No, the second part, the student did not say. I'm going to suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that this was the last rap song those college officials ever heard. Hello, welcome to the show. The peas almost and the chicken tastes like wood. Oh, so you try to play it off like you think you can by saying that you're full. And then your friend says, Mama, he's just being polite. He ain't finished her all. That's bull. Oh, so your heart starts pumping and you think of a lie and you say that you already ate. And your friend says, Man, there's plenty of food. So he piles some more on your plate. 
But while the sticky food steaming, your mind starts to dream of the moment it's time to leave. And then you look at your plate and your chicken slowly rotting into something that looks like cheese. Oh, so you say, that's it, I got to leave this place. I don't care what these people think. I'm just sitting here making myself nauseous with this ugly food that stinks. Oh, so you bust out the door while it's still closed, still sick from the food you ate. And then you run to the store for quick relief from a bottle of K.O. Pectate. And then you call your friend two weeks later to see how he has been. And he says, I understand about the food, babe, but bubba, well, we're still friends. With a hip hop, the hippie to the hip and a hip hip a hoppy, you don't stop the rocker to the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Rarely heard third verse of Rapper's Delight. This is Le Show from the home of the homeless. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm. It won an award somewhere, sometime. Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen. Oh, we sure can. New research shows that long-term changes in diseases in ocean species coincide with decades of widespread environmental change. The paper increases and decreases in marine disease reports in an era of global change was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B, which I guess is almost as good as... In the Royal Society A. Understanding oceanic trends is important for evaluating today's threats to marine systems. Disease is an important sentinel of change, according to senior author Drew Harville at Cornell. Disease increases and decreases can both be bad news, said the lead author, Allison Tracy. The long-term changes in disease that we see here may result from anthropogenic pressure on plants and animals in the ocean. Anthropogenic pressure means us, you and me, dominion. The researchers examined marine infectious disease reports from 1970 to 2013, which transcend short-term fluctuations and regional variation. Records of corals, urchins, mammals, decapods, fish, mollusks, sharks, rays, seagrass, and turtles. For corals and urchins, reports of infectious disease increased over the 44-year period. In the Caribbean, increasing coral disease reports correlated with warming events. It's widely known that coral bleaching increases with warming. But they they look nice, you know. Who, who wouldn't want a blonde coral? But Harville said that they've established a long-term connection between warming and coral disease. We finally linked a coral killer like infectious disease to repeated warming bouts over four decades of change, she said. Our study shows that infectious disease reports are associated with warm temperature anomalies in corals on a multi-decadal scale. But just before you... Um, write the obituary for our friends, the corals. For the first time ever 
Scientists have found corals that were thought to have been killed by heat stress. They have recovered a glimmer of hope for the world's climate change-threatened reefs, according to Agence <laughs> The chance discovery made by a researcher at the Freie University of Berlin and the University of Barcelona during diving expeditions in the Spanish Mediterranean was reported in Science Advances this week. The two authors have been carrying out long-term monitoring of 243 colonies of the endangered reef builder coral Cladocora caspitosa since 2002, allowing them to to describe in previous papers recurring warming-related mass mortalities. At some point, we saw living polyps in these colonies, which we thought were completely dead. One of the authors told Ozone, adding it was a big surprise. Heat waves kill corals by either essentially roasting them alive, mm, roasted corals, or causing them to eject the symbiotic algae that live within them and provide nutrients, thus leading to bleaching. A quarter of the coral cover of Spain's Columbretes Islands was lost to a particularly extreme heat wave way back in 2003. But for the first time ever, the scientists have found that some corals that were thought to have been killed by heat stress have recovered. The researchers found that in 38% of the impacted colonies, the polyps, which are the coral themselves, had devised a survival strategy shrinking their dimensions... <laughs> partially abandoning their original skeleton and gradually over a period of several years growing back and starting a new skeleton. We didn't think they did that. They were then able to gradually recolonize dead areas through budding. Hey, budding. In order to be able to assure the polyps were in fact the same animal staging a comeback rather than new coral created through sexual reproduction. <laughs> the team used 3D computer imaging to confirm the old abandoned skeleton was connected genetically to the new structure. This process, rejuvenescence, who wouldn't want that, ladies and gentlemen? Come on. I root for the corals because if they can do it, why can't we? This process was known to exist in the fossil record, but had never before been observed in coral colonies that exist today. One of the authors said the finding opens up the intriguing possibility that other modern corals around the world, such as those in Australia's suffering Great Barrier Reef, might be applying similar survival strategies. This according to fizz.org, although further research is required. Well, of course. Otherwise, how would you get grants? But yes, coral, ladies and gentlemen, back from the dead.
From recently smoky Santa Monica, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, News of the Olympic Movement, produced by Jim Ebersol III. Organizers of next year's Tokyo Olympics, as you probably know by now, are looking for ways to battle the heat in Tokyo next summer. Now they're looking for new ways asking sports federations for advice on how to beat the heat, according to the International Olympic Committee. IOC President Thomas Bach said Japanese organizers sent out a questionnaire to international sports federations to see what measures they take to counter heat at their competitions. 
That's uh, given what we've just seen in Doha a couple days ago, Box said, referring to the weather conditions at the World Athletics Championships in Qatar. With its suffocating humidity, according to the Voice of America, and daytime temperatures hovering around 100 degrees, the Doha weather has been widely discussed by athletes and officials. The marathon and walking races, races at that uh, world competition began at midnight to minimize the harmful effects of the heat. So the Olympic Games at midnight local time. Volunteers in Tokyo likely to work under the blazing heat will have a maximum of one-hour shifts, according to the Kyoto News Agency. The plan is to create a manual to help on-site leaders to determine break times. Tokyo Metropolitan Government's decision comes as it formulated its basic policy on heat countermeasures and spectator guidance. Based on the results of simulations conducted this summer at various test events, the potentially deadly heat has been a major headache for organizers of the Tokyo Games. The Metropolitan Government is going to provide neck coolers to help keep body temperatures down. Before every Games, athletes used to complain about a regulation that prevented them from marketing themselves at a time when they could reap the biggest profits. Now the controversial Olympics Rule 40 is changing. This week, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee announced it's following the IOC's lead, relaxing the long-standing regulation for the Tokyo Olympics. Previously, no competitor could allow his or her name or likeness to be used in advertising during a period that began just before the Olympics and extended several days after. That meant only big-money IOC sponsors could benefit. Any endorsement deals athletes negotiated on their own were shut out. The USOPC will now allow American athletes to publicly thank their sponsors during the game. Sponsors can likewise issue congratulatory messages and produce generic ads. Olympic and national team logos are still off limits, and sponsors must sign a contract that opens the road to penalties if they violate the terms. The rule was created by the IOC to make endorsements more valuable to corporations that pay millions for exclusive rights. The IOC agreed to the alterations over the summer. And the number of security staff at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics is likely to fall considerably short of the required amount. Organizers may help have to reach out to Japan's self-defense forces for help. 50,000 security support staff would be needed, according to the bid documents. The total number of guards required will surpass that estimates, with new sports such as baseball and surfing added, and venues being moved to different areas. Job openings surpass applications by more than eight times, according to the Japan Security Service Association, showing a serious labor shortage. An official said to Japan today, It's difficult to recruit people because the job offers relatively low pay, high level of risk, and tough working conditions. Some in the industry tell me it'll be difficult to secure lots of guards for the Olympics because people already have their regular work. But it's the Olympics. Come on. It's a movement, and we all need one, every day. Well, it's been a, um interesting week for <laughs> President Trump, the uh, capped on Friday by the testimony of the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, who blamed him for unseating her. She had been told by uh, uh, folks at the State Department that uh, 
there was a, a a plan that had been going on for more than a year on the part of the White House to get rid of her because they thought she wasn't cooperating with uh, Rudy Giuliani's plans to investigate a um, conspiracy theory that had Ukraine at the heart of the meddling in the ni- in 2016 elections uh, as opposed to other countries and uh, his plans to investigate Joe Biden's son Hunter and his membership on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. But there have been a few uh, Republicans, like the uh, governor of Maryland, breaking from the ranks to say, well, there should be an investigation. There should be an inquiry at least. So the solid wall of Republicans in support of <laughs> the president just beginning to show the uh, the first signs of possible cracks. The president held two rallies this week, one in Minnesota, one in Louisiana, to uh well I guess he gets I guess he gets a kick out of them. He seems to. He seems to dig the adrenaline. They they may help Republicans in those states. He may care about that. And uh, we're seeing a lot more now analysis of the situation that he's in with um, three active committees, uh, very active committees of the House, subpoenaing witnesses and documents, uh, eschewing long, uh, drawn-out court cases to just say, you, you abide by the subpoenas, or we'll think of something else. But there are comparisons now among a lot of analysts between what's happening in this particular period, in this inquiry, comparisons between that and the lead-up to the uh, resignation of Richard Nixon just before he was impeached so many years ago. Now, regular listeners know that uh, the former president is uh, apparently still taping up in heaven. Well, he got into heaven, A. And that he's still taping. And uh, we're in receipt of the latest tape. Here's uh, today's media readout. References to you, as usual, circled in red. Damn it, Haldeman, this has got to stop. I only, uh, well, only had the two colors. I can leave it unhighlighted, but then... I don't care about the damn colors. Mm. I mean... Of course I do. What the hell kind of heaven are they running here where they have only red and black sharpies? Well, uh, they tell me it's an environmental thing. I am so up to here with the more environmental than thou attitude up here. Do they know who started the EPA, for God's sake? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do. They also know why. But um, what is it I think you said has to stop? Something I can handle? We learned quite a while ago that you can't handle anything from here. Just like that damn TV, you can watch it till you're blue in the face, but you can't do anything about what you're seeing. Sure, sure. Of course, up here we can see everything, and there aren't any commercials. So what's got to stop is this constant equating my Watergate experience, such as it was, mm-hmm. with this Trump film. Well, I mean, everything you've circled here is this, this is like Watergate, mm-hmm. but Watergate was this, and this is that, sure, and so forth. Sure, and they sure. tried out John Dean. Sure. Well, he, he's one of the few of us who's still not dead. Sure. But uh, Buchanan's not dead. Mm-hmm. He's writing columns. Yeah. If anybody reads columns, <laughs> we can't get him on the tube. I can I can check on that. Um, well, 
What, what would we want him to say exactly, assuming... Well, I mean, look at my daughters, mm -hmm. you see. I mean, they married people and so forth and so yeah, on. But sure. I mean, this, yeah. this guy Trump has, has got himself and his so-called kids involved in business stuff so sleazy, it would have embarrassed B.B. Rebozo. Yeah. You know, he, now, that's not to say that uh, maybe every once in a while didn't get involved with some Middle Eastern gentlemen. Of course. With the, of course. Let's just say uh, an amazing number of bank accounts. Well, for the laundering. For whatever. Yeah. But what I did, and you know this as well as the next man. Which was Orlikman. What I did was not for personal gain. No. I mean, it told the book deals. No, of course you didn't. Mrs. Nixon and I ate at home most nights. Mm -hmm. I mean, those San Clemente restaurants, some of them were absolute club joints. Well, the steak place. Oh, come on, Alderman. For the price they charged for a porterhouse, you could have bought the whole steer. Yeah, sure. Yep. The, but the, the potatoes. Now, I didn't run off like a frat boy on Tijuana Red with every Central European model I happened to come across in the car Well, he certainly had opportunity. <laughs> Meeting all the leaders of the world in order to try to build a, an enduring structure of peace. Which, but, you know, whole Watergate nonsense stopped. And but uh, there was no time for that kind of fluff. That's the point I'm making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you and Mrs. Nixon were... Oh, of course. I'm just saying you didn't see me lusting after all these sweet patooties like this fellow, which, of course, is his right. Of course. Yep. He's, he's free white and over 21. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but now, see, they're living in a world down there where you can't even say that anymore. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of bad things about not being live. Yep. Yep. But that isn't one of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. As far as presidential lawyers are concerned, mm -hmm. you can say a lot of things about John Mitchell. Well, fortunately, he's on a whole other cloud. But he had a real job, mm -hmm. Attorney General. He yep. wasn't just my pro bono lawyer flunky like this, this Rudy guy. No, no he was a real official. Yep. Absolutely right. Yep. And, and let me tell you this, Holden. Mm -hmm. You never, ever saw me getting involved with the New York Italians. That's I mean, right. this Trump fellow, I guess he just spent too much time in Queens. But any New Yorker whose name ends in a consonant should know better. Well, uh, Giuliani did have the halo effect from ground zero. Oh, to that, that stuff just fades with time. Mm. Nobody knows that better than me. Sure. By the time Watergate rolled around. Anybody still care about me out-debating Khrushchev in that phony kitchen? Well, of course, the media never mentioned and it. that's the other thing, mm. you say. The media. Sure. This guy pretends to be so tough on the media and so forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. The one time he takes away somebody's press pass, then he backs down. Didn't a court decide? Which I don't suppose I need to point out. Mm -hmm. That's why I put the FBI on their damn tail. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Scare the crap out of them. Right. It's not a big public thing. No. So the other side can't mobilize their hippies and bra burners to put pressure on you. Don't think they're burning bras anymore. Well, whatever they're burning. Flags or so forth. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, Haldeman. Right. They're always burning something. You know, just scanning the clips, the most references are about uh, one of your articles of impeachment being about obstructing Congress. And that's what First of all, they weren't my articles. No. And most importantly, it never came to vote in the House. Of course, because you... So, there were articles. Yes. But there was no impeachment. Right. And if the members of my own party had had just one hundredth of the backbone these Republicans seem to have now. Well, <laughs> he really does seem to have them pretty scared. Well, see, that's what you want. Hmm. If they love you, they can always just fall out of love. But they never stop being afraid of you. See, it's primal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Hell Johnson knew that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And of course, uh, 
This guy has the advantage of not uh, having a double-crossing little weasel like John D. Testifying against him on TV. Well, not yet. I mean, it took a while. And he doesn't have somebody gunning for him like Senator Sam Irvin with his obvious political agenda. He was a Democrat. Saying to his northern Democrat friends, Oh, as long as I keep this vendetta against Nixon going, you won't give a damn if I hate black people. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, was his right back then, I suppose. Well, do you want me to stop uh, flagging the Trump impeachment clips? I'm at Haldeman, of course not. Hmm. I just want you to get Pat Buchanan back on TV. I can probably get him back on your TV, but... All right. I understand. I mean... You know, it's a... At least just circle them in black. Well, there's millions of people adrift in this world Hoping to find themselves a boy or a girl I know something about this, it's true I was one of them until I found you But you're far away now and I'm here alone I can't feel your heartbeat inside of this phone I've been so different since you came my way Promise me please now you won't run away Cause I will wait for you I will wait for you I will wait I hope it's not too late Sleep with your cat, but I'm scared he might bite. Before the day I met you, I was losing my mind. But you came and saved me right in the nick of time. Now I will wait for you.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, save, too safe to meet. Save, save, too safe to meet. One of the things, ladies and gentlemen, we're told about the um, problem with renewable energies like solar and wind is that they're uh, they're not 24/7 uh, sun, sun goes down wind may die down and then where's your electricity then when you want to watch your TV as uh, I, be, I believe President Trump has put it that way and the um, the comparison of course is to coal and uh, other old school fuels as well as to nuclear nuclear why that's that's a good base load fuel because it doesn't, you know, the sun doesn't go down and the wind doesn't die down and nuclear, the atoms just keep splitting. Well, Houston Chronicle reports this, outages of nuclear power generators, this would be, uh, I guess, in the local area, Out, outages average 2.7 gigawatts during the summer, about the same as during the summer of 2018. Availability of nuclear power is at its highest level between late June and early July. Nuclear power outages are usually at the lowest during the summer and winter months when electricity demand is highest. The plants are typically taken down for refueling and maintenance during the fall and spring when demand for power falls. They typically refuel, in the United States they do, every 18 to 24 months. The average outage for refueling, according to the Energy Department, takes about... Oh, 32 days. That's when they won't be providing power, you see. Oh, and, you know, one thing that happens when uh, an area gets depicted in a fictional series or any kind of series on HBO, it starts a tourist industry. There are tour buses going through Treme, the Treme neighborhood in New Orleans to this day, thanks to the uh, TV series on Treme, called Treme. It was on HBO several years ago. Well, it's happening with Chernobyl. Following the meltdown in 1986, authorities cordoned off the most contaminated areas around the Ukrainian power plant. The Chernobyl Exclusion Zone now extends 1,000 square miles. It's illegal to live there, and it's off-limits to visitors under age 18. For decades, the tourists who did come were only permitted to observe the abandoned schoolyards, amusement parks, and classrooms outside the plant. Those areas aren't dangerous. But the infamous Reactor 4 remained closed to everyone except researchers and cleanup workers. Until now, Chernobyl tour companies say Ukraine will now allow tourists to visit the reactor's control room, where... Chernobyl's deputy chief engineer is thought to have instructed operators to continue a safety test despite a significant drop in power that made it dangerous to keep working. The room's radiation levels could be 40,000 times higher than normal, according to a Berlin-based news agency. To ensure visitors' safety, anyone who enters will have to don a hazmat suit, helmet, mask, and industrial boots. They'll also be screened twice for radiation after their tour, which only lasts five minutes. To limit their exposure. Control Room was featured in the HBO series. Tourism companies reported major spikes in demand for Chernobyl tours after the series came out. 
Around 85,000 visitors have visited the exclusion zone this year. Day tours usually cost around $100 per person for that five minutes in the control room. Two months ago, Ukraine declared Chernobyl an official tourist attraction. Before that, tourism wasn't officially authorized in the area, so some visitors had reportedly gotten away with bribing security officials and illegally removing objects from the zone. Corruption in the Ukraine? In Ukraine? Call Hunter Biden if you want to get... The Ukrainian government also plans to invest in new pathways and checkpoints to build out the visitor experience at Chernobyl, according to Business Insider. We must give this territory of Ukraine a new life, says the president, Zelensky. Until now, Chernobyl was a negative part of Ukraine's brand, he says. It's time to change it, unquote. Everything's changing in Ukraine these days. And one report from an inspector general this week, an internal report investigating 16 police personnel involved in covering up the 2014 fatal shooting of Laquan McDonald by a former Chicago police officer. That report was released this week after being kept secret for almost three years. Written in 2016 by the Chicago Inspector General, it revealed that the report that several officers committed numerous ethical and internal violations, those could hurt, in order to cover up former officer Jason Van Dyke's shooting of the 17-year-old, including giving false statements, quote, to exaggerate the threat the youth McDonald posed, unquote. According to the report, Anthony Wojcik, a former Chicago Police Department lieutenant who was at the scene, improperly disposed of three original reports containing detectives' handwritten notes of the statements three civilian witnesses made the night of the shooting. He then did Wojcik, lieutenant, personally recreated the reports before disposing of the original notes. The report also revealed that at least two officers who were not fired after the IG investigation untruthfully heard, uh, untruthfully claimed they heard Van Dyke tell the youth to drop a small weapon he was holding and that the teen repeatedly ignored the officer's calls to stay down. The false statements served to mischaracterize the events leading up to the shooting and to thereby bolster a false narrative which might have offered justification for the shooting, said the report. It found the officers not only fabricated the details, but they would not have been able to hear any interaction between Officer Van Dyke and McDonald from where they were standing during the encounter. At least four officers who were present the night of the shooting failed to, quote, visually and audibly record events with in-car video systems and were found to withhold and shield video evidence establishing what actually happened between the officer and the youth. The inspector general had recommended the firing of 11 individuals. Only four were let go. None of the four were charged criminally. However, they were stripped of police powers and assigned to desk duty as their case proceeded, according to the AP. Former Sergeant Stephen Franco, who was fired for his role in the cover-up, was found to have reviewed and, imp- and approved false reports submitted by Van Dyke and his partner regarding the night of the shooting. The report also detailed how Officer Van Dyke tried to cover facts and did not openly comply with the investigation by the IG after being called upon to do so and in direct violation of a superior's order. Van Dyke was found guilty of second-degree murder in 2018 for shooting McDonald 16 times. The report's release was vehemently opposed by the Fraternal Order of Police. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen, copyright to feature this broadcast.
just a little note to scare you about the smart world. A nonprofit group, Consumer Watchdog, has issued a report with the help of car industry technologists. It finds all the top cars of this year have internet connections to safety critical systems. Then those connections leave them vulnerable to fleet wide hacks. Not the, not the guys you're thinking about. They uh, warn a fleet wide hack at rush hour could result in a, n a catastrophe with approximately 3,000 deaths. The report reveals that automakers have disclosed the high risk of such hacks to their investors, but keeping the public in the dark as they market new features based on internet connections. Ford disclosed to the SEC in its 10K filing the company and its suppliers have already been the subject of a malicious hack, but the public doesn't know about the facts. Consumer Watchdog's report recommends that as soon as possible every connected car come with an internet kill switch that physically disconnects the internet from safety critical systems. The internet of course connected to the infotainment or other networks. Drive carefully. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's edition of the show. Next week on the radio at the same time on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. It'd be just like not driving in a connected car. If you'd be with me then, we do already thank you very much. Uh -huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pan Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this thing, you, which has got your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for the whole family for Thanksgiving, as well as the playlist of the music heard here on. And the email address for the program, all at harryshearer.com and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Where else would I be? The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.